This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. They are offering sacrifices. They are offering these burnt offerings. They are giving, again, this, 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 uh, this false look of religion. And yet a heart for God isn't there. And again, it comes back to that deal of, man, is it just going to church? Is it just you know coming and, and being a part? Is it just being active? Or is it a heart for the things of God within our lives? And that counts. That's everything. That is everything. Have you been running from God? Has He called you to walk away from something, someone, to finally let go of a certain sin? But instead of drawing near to God to be empowered by His grace, you've run away from Him. Do you know He still wants you to come back to Him? He won't turn you away. As we continue in Hosea, we see God's relentless pursuit of His nation, Israel, and His desire to reconcile them to Himself. God hasn't changed. He won't stop pursuing you either. Turn back to Him. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Hosea, chapter 5, verse 2, for today's study. The revolters are deeply involved in slaughter, though I rebuke them all. I know, Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me. For now, O Ephraim, you commit harlotry, and Israel is defiled. It's interesting, when a bride was defiled in those days, particularly when it was of her choice, when the bride chose to commit adultery, what was the punishment for that church? Death. They would stone them to death. And so God is in essence saying to Israel, hey, you know what? You've, you've committed these sins and judgment's going to come upon you. It says in verse 4, they do not direct their deeds toward turning to their God. In other words, there's no purpose in their heart to turn. It's not like they were trying to follow God in their life and, oh man, I, I failed. I, I stumbled, man. Uh, a bondage in my life tripped me up or, or man, I just kind of uh, fell along the wayside. I, I'm, I'm pressing toward God, but I went on a detour. No, as a matter of fact, it says here, man, they don't even direct their deeds toward going to God. It's like they literally repented from following God and turn back the other way. It says they don't direct their deeds toward turning to God. For the spirit of harlotry is in their midst and they do not know the Lord. People who should know the Lord. People who have had every opportunity to know the Lord and yet they don't know the Lord. He says the pride of Israel testifies to his face. You know, there's not too many places in the Scripture that pride is a good thing. As a matter of fact, you can probably go through, and I think every place that pride is mentioned, it's in a negative context. The pride of Israel in particular here was their pride of being broken away from the worship of Jehovah God, 
their pride of being broken away from the rule of Rehoboam earlier on in, in this, when, when they broke away from, from the other tribe, from Judah, started their own thing. Their pride in having their own places and styles of worship. Their pride also that for a while they actually flourished. They actually prospered for a while. And so it looked like, hey, we can do all of this. We can get away with this. And man, we are prospering. This is a great thing. We are on our way. God says, no, your pride testifies to your face. He says, Israel and Ephraim, you're going to stumble in your iniquity. And the problem is, Judah, you're going to also stumble with them. You see, God who knows all, God who is sovereign, God who is omniscient, God knows that Judah is on that very same path. He says, Judah... I'm going to give you a great object lesson. I'm speaking here to Israel. I'm warning Israel. I'm going to bring great discipline upon Israel because of what they're... Don't do this, Judah. Watch here. I believe that that's why God gives us big brothers and big sisters, you know. Uh, so you can watch that and say, I don't think I'm going to do that. I had a big brother that used to get in trouble a lot. And I learned pretty quickly how to avoid a lot of trouble. I can't say all the reasons why I avoid the trouble. That would perjure me. But uh, anyway, the, the idea is God gave them an object lesson. And Judah saw it happen. And just a little while later, Judah falls for, in essence, the same situation, the same deal. He says with their, verse 6, with their flocks and their herds, they go to seek the Lord. But, okay, wait a minute, Pastor, look. They're, they're, they're doing the right thing. They're, they're, they're going to worship. Well, what's he say here? But they will not find him. He's withdrawn himself from them. They have dealt treacherously with the Lord, for they have begotten pagan children. Now a new moon shall devour them and their heritage. They go to seek the Lord. That's religion without spirit. That's religion for religion's sake. That's just going to church. And that's, that's, that does nothing on the inside. Let me encourage you tonight. If, if, if you think that just going to church is going to make a change in your life, you need to realize that unless you come with the right heart and the right hunger, a hunger, man, I want to, I want to hear God tonight. I want to worship God tonight. I want to be in fellowship with God's people tonight. Just going to church is not going to change a thing. It will not change a thing. And they're going with their flocks, with their herds. On the outside, it looks like they're doing something. But God says, no, it does absolutely nothing. So God gives them a warning. He says in verse 8, Blow the ram's horn in Gibeah, the trumpet in Ramah. Cry aloud at beth Aven. Look behind you, O Benjamin. Ephraim shall be desolate in the day of rebuke. Among the tribes of Israel, I make known what is sure. The princes of Judah are like those who remove a landmark. And I will pour out my wrath on them like water. Ephraim is oppressed and broken in judgment because he willingly walked by what, church? Human precept. Human precept. Walking by the logic of man rather than by the Spirit of God. Well, this just makes sense. Yeah, you know, I've weighed all the factors. I've counted all the pros and all the cons. 
And it just makes sense. It's a typical and it's a logical thing to do. But more often than not, it's the wrong thing to do, particularly for the believer. Do we need to count the cost? Absolutely. The Lord says we count the cost in following Him. But that's not an accounting of the cost to see, well, should I or shouldn't I? But, Lord, I want to do this. I need to count the cost so that I know what I'm getting into. So that I know that, yes, if I follow you, this is what it's going to cost of my life. This is what you're going to require of me. And yes, Lord, I'm willing to do that. Instead of saying, hey, I'm just going to follow the Lord without counting the cost, you get halfway into it and suddenly you realize, wow, he's calling for commitment. He's he's, he's calling for obedience. He's calling for surrender of my life. It says they're walking by, by human precept. Everything in their life at that point in time was now based on the logic of man, not on the Spirit of God that was giving them direction. He says, therefore, I will be to Ephraim like a moth. Well, that's not too bad. I mean, what's a moth going to do? No. You know what a moth does, right? It eats and it devours. Some of you have been in places where you have to have all those mothballs and stuff and it like really stinks the clothes up but you know what preserves them doesn't it yeah he says i'm going to come in like a moth and to the house of judah like rottenness the other thing about both the moth and the rottenness they just kind of creep up on you it's 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 not like you know uh suddenly the moth comes in like a lion no he doesn't he sneaks in he comes in when you, you don't realize it and suddenly you, you, you've got a hole in that favorite sweater of yours. You've got, you've got destroyed stuff in there. The rottenness, it's like, man, I, I didn't know, but the entire you know, floor is now gone in, in the house because it just rotted out. Somebody was sharing with me about a, 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 a mobile home that they had bought and they didn't realize till after they bought it that the whole floor in the bathroom had been rotted out and that's rottenness that, that creeps in. The Lord says, I'm going to be like that moth. I'm going to be to Judah like rottenness. And when Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah saw his wound, they cried out to the Lord and repented. But that's not what it says, is it? No. Wouldn't you think that that would make sense? Let me ask you this, church. Would it make sense to you to cry out to the Lord? And to repent? Or do we sometimes, like Ephraim, and like Judah, Ephraim went to Assyria, he sent to King Jerob, yet he cannot cure him nor heal you from your wound. He says he, he sought help from other, there was situations within life, you could think of it this way when you bring it home personally, that there's situations that are going on in life, whatever the situation might be, and you're particular life and if you move in human precept if you move in human logic you look for assistance you look for the quote-unquote the cure for it with earthly means now god has provided a lot of good stuff and i'm please understand what i'm saying here but the first thing you need to be doing is looking to the lord in your life in areas and situations within your life lord i need your help in this in my life I need your help in this relationship. I need your help in this financial situation, in this medical situation, in this spiritual situation. Lord, I need you. And Lord, if I need to repent, 
That's the first thing that I want to do. He says, I'll be like a lion to Ephraim, like a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear them and go away. I will take them away, and no one shall rescue. I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. It would be great if that's what truly happened with them, but in all of that that the Lord did to them, there was not that repentance. It didn't happen. Some We, we go on to verse 6. Again, the call to repent. Come, let us return to the Lord. For He is torn, but He will heal us. He is stricken, but He will bind us up. After two days, He will revive us. On the third day, He will raise us up that we may live in His sight. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like a rain, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. Man, if that were it. I mean, that's the truth. That is the hope, and that's what God is calling for them to do. But that's not what they did. They continued to reject Him. Yet God says, you know, if you come to Me, I'm going to heal you. If you come to Me, I'll bind you up. If you come to Me, I'll revive you. If you come to Me, I'll raise you back up again. I'll be like that rain, like that latter and the former rain. And yet, verse 4, O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud And like the early dew, it goes away. Oh yeah, Lord, I repent. Oh yeah, Lord, I'll follow you. Oh yeah, Lord, I want to serve you. Oh yeah, Lord, I'm going to lay that down for a moment. The morning clouds, the early dew. He says, your your, your coming is, is like that. Your faithfulness only lasts for a moment. Therefore... I have hewn them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. And your judgments are like light that goes forth. God says in verse 6, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Well, does that mean that God doesn't want worship? Is that what he's saying here, church? No. The, 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 the sacrifices, the burnt offerings, they were part of the established worship that God had given them. But what's going on here? They're coming in. They are offering sacrifices. They are offering these burnt offerings. They are giving, again, this, 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 uh, this false look of religion. And yet a heart for God isn't there. And again, it comes back to that deal of, man, is it just going to church? Is it just, you know, coming and, and being a part? Is it just being active? Or is it a heart for the things of God within our lives? And that counts. That's everything. That is everything. Well, won't God give me like extra points because I came both Wednesday and Sunday? No. There are no extra points. He wants a heart that's his, all of his. It says, like men, they, verse 7, like men, they transgressed the covenant. They, there they dealt treacherously with me. Gilead is a city of 
evildoers and defiled with blood. As bands of robbers lie in wait for a man, so the company of priests murder on the way to Shechem. Wow. Even their religious leaders were as bad as these others, if not worse. Surely they commit lewdness. I've seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is harlotry of Ephraim. Israel is defiled. Also Judah, here comes Judah again. A harvest is appointed for you. When I return the captives of my people, verse going right into chapter 7, when I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was uncovered, and the wickedness of Samaria, for they have committed fraud. Can you imagine committing fraud against God? Now, number one, God's not fooled by it, but man thinks that he fools God. Man thinks that he puts up a, a charade that uh, he can trick God. Oh, you can trick me as your pastor, I guarantee you. We can even trick each other. But God is never tricked. He's never deceived. If committed fraud, a thief comes in, a band of robbers takes spoil outside. They do not consider in their hearts that I, that God, remembers all of their wickedness. Now their own deeds have surrounded them. They are before my face. They make a king glad with their wickedness, and princes are glad with their lies. That, that tells me that wickedness is reigning within, even in the political reign, that, that wickedness reigns there. And Never mind, I won't go too far into that, but uh, you know the understanding, you know the idea. Verse 4, moving right along. They are all adulterers like an oven heated by a baker. It ceases stirring the, or he ceases stirring the fire after kneading the dough until it's leavened. Well, in the day of our king, princes have made him sick, inflamed with wine. He stretched out his hand with scoffers. They prepare their heart like an oven. They lie and wait. Their baker sleeps all night. And in the morning it burns like a flaming fire. They're all hot like an oven. They have devoured their judges. All their kings have fallen. None among them calls upon me. What he's saying is that they've made their plans, and then they've waited and waited and waited to the appropriate time to suddenly jump out and fulfill their plans, their plans of destruction. Devouring the judges, the kings have fallen. None of them call upon me. Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. What does that mean? Ephraim has mixed himself among the peoples. Remember, they were called to be separate from all the, the, the pagan nations around them. But he's saying, no, Ephraim has mixed themselves among the people. They've, they've married pagan wives. And, they've, and earlier on, he said, you've had pagan children. They've had pagan children because they've allowed this whole pagan influx into their whole community. Ephraim is a cake upturned. Aliens have devoured their strength. Now, okay, that's, that's foreign aliens. That's not space aliens, okay? It's foreign aliens. In other words, they've, they brought in these other, these non-Israelites. They brought in the pagan nations, married into them. He says aliens have devoured his strength, but he doesn't know it. Yes, gray hairs are here and there on him, yet he does not know it. It's interesting, as I looked at that, I reminded, you know what? Age doesn't always bring wisdom, does it? 
There's just as many foolish old people as there are young people. Verse 10, the pride of Israel testifies to his face, but they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all of this. All of these things God is bringing against them. All of these things God is revealing to them. All of these things God has shown them, and yet they're not willing to return. They hear it, not only Hosea, but the other prophets of the time that continue speaking to Israel, and not only the prophets that have spoken, but the history that they, can, that they know has happened and has taken place, and yet they reject it, they continue, none of them seek him. He says in verse 11, Ephraim also is like a silly dove without sense. Huh, I know what that's like. We've got uh, in this area, you know, we've got tons of doves, and you just see the foolishness of these doves. How many of you ever had a dove fly into one of your windows? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. I can see it. They, they, they look there and say, oh, there's a whole other place I can fly. And they go, bam. And they, men, many times, they literally and truly, they, they kill themselves because, again, flying without sense. And I can see, Ephraim, you're just traveling without sense. They call to Egypt. They go to Assyria. Again, you look at these two countries. What do these two countries represent? They represent bondage. And yet they're saying, hey, I'm going to call to Egypt. To help me. But that's the bondage that they were in that God brought them out of. Oh, I'll call to Assyria for help. That's bondage that you're going to be going into. And God wants to keep you from that. Wherever they go, God says, I will spread my net on them. I will bring them down like birds of the air. I will chastise them according to what their congregation has heard. You can't run from God. Wherever they go, God says, I'll bring them down. And then that last line, according to what their congregation has heard. Now, this may bum some of you out tonight, okay? This may really bum some of you out. You are responsible for what you hear. You are responsible for what you know. You can't go out of here and say, oh, God, I didn't know that. Yes, you did. You heard. And the, 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 as the Word of God goes out, and even as the, if you don't hear it from the Word, as the Spirit of God speaks to you. We are responsible for those things. So when the Spirit of God speaks in our heart and says, Man, don't go there. Don't, don't say that. Don't do that. And we continue headlong. You know what? We're going to face some consequences because of that. He goes on in verse 13, he says, Woe to them, because they fled from me. Destruction to them, because they've transgressed against me. And though I redeemed them, yet they've spoken lies against me. They did not cry out to me with their heart when they wailed upon their beds. They assemble together for grain and new wine. They rebel against me. And though I disciplined them, and strengthen their arms, yet they devise evil against me. They return, but not to the Most High. They're like a treacherous bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for the cursings of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Israel. Beginning in chapter 8, and we'll look at that next week. He says, man, set the trumpet to the mouth. 
when God blows that trumpet, that means there's action that's going to take place. That means that God is on the move. And as we look and see all that God is doing, all that God has spoken, all that our nation is responsible for, that ought to be enough to give us pause. But then when we look also at the church today and see, man, what is the church doing or not doing today? Who should we be in Christ? How should we live our lives? It's like Francis Schaeffer's book, How Then Shall We Live? How Then Shall We Live? We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Remember, at the website you'll find quite a bit of information about The Open Word and a link to the church website. So log on to TheOpenWord.com today and get to know us better. We wish we had more time today to share more of Pastor David's message, but we've run out of time. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.